0: It's my great joy to invite you to open your copy of God's perfect and precious Word this morning to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. I was thinking this morning uh, about the privilege just to be here. I am amazed by it week in and week out that God allows this for us. That Uh, we realize that um, God the Son had to be crucified and resurrected to bring this about. And He was. And He did. And He summons us here and He meets us uniquely here as He has called us to gather. And we do so in His name because we acknowledge that He rules and reigns. All of the kings of the earth with all of the things going on, it's easy to, to have a sense of despair. And yet we are summoned here week by week because there is a crucified and resurrected Messiah at the right hand of the Father. And we are reminded that He is the one ultimately, who is unfolding His plans and His purposes. And we get to gather together and be reminded of that in a unique way and have the Holy Spirit work among us in a powerful way as we sing and pray and give and have the Word of God shape us, not as random individuals in a room, but as a people. A people who believe no matter what the headlines are around us. That Jesus Christ is Lord. And a people who believe that there will never be a moment for all eternity where that is not true. What a privilege it is to be here. With that said, it's with great joy I invite you to stand in reverence for the reading of the perfect word of our sovereign God. We're looking at Genesis 15 today, but I'm just going to read two verses verses 5 and 6, and then pray for God's mercy as we study His perfect and precious Word together. Stand knowing that in the Scripture, and in the Scripture alone, we know the true story of the world. Genesis 15, verses 5 and 6. And He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then He said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Let's pray. O Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, thank you for this moment, this moment that you have brought to pass, this moment that was purchased by the blood of Christ and an empty tomb.
1: And Lord, may we be a people this very day who echo this
0: Gospel truth that because of who You are and what You've done, we can believe in You and have it reckoned to us as righteousness. Oh Lord, teach us today. Transform us. Help us to see how the things out there in the world that You have created or to teach us about you, the all things God. And we pray it in the name of Christ and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. I was on a panel one time at a pretty big conference, and I was up there on the platform, and uh, all of a sudden, my phone was not turned on, but it was vibrating when I got a message, and my phone was just blowing up, it just, wouldn't stop vibrating. And I'm wondering uh, if there's some sort of terrible emergency that I, I need to deal with. And, and, and finally, when it was over, I immediately stepped off the platform to check my phone at what this emergency was. And it was my kids that had been texting me nonstop. And the messages sounded like this You know Trip Lee? One of the other people on the panel was a Christian rapper and a very good uh, preacher and speaker, but, uh, but that was it. You know Trip Lee? What are you doing with Trip Lee? You're on a panel with Trip Lee? Wow! And so I walked over to Trip Lee and said, Are your kids texting you? You're on a panel with David Prince? Wow! And he said, No one of us was a star the other one wasn't you know to my kids for real triple e was definitely a star one of the definitions for star is an outstandingly talented performer or a person who is preeminent in a particular field we we use the word star in that way because of the stars they shine they are preeminent. And so we call people who have incredible gifts in particular way, stars. The first time we see stars in the Bible is Genesis one sixteen. It's the fourth of the creation days and the great lights are in the sky. Genesis one sixteen says, And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, and then it says, and the stars. A star, a, a giant ball of, of gas, but, but one that God made and one that God has placed where He has placed it and one that, that put together as far as we are away from them provide this, this captivating picture for us to see over and over again. You know, those of us who... I've grown up with street lights everywhere and lights all over the place. Really, really don't know the fascination of stars that, that people once had when there weren't street lights all over the place. And and it really got dark. I mean dark, dark, and and these lights shining in the sky, but but almost everybody I know has spent time just looking up at the stars, seeing what you could see, fascinated by them. People have always been fascinated by stars because they shine. They they stand out. They are a captivating manifestation of God's power and God's authority. We we see them, and, and there are so many of them.
1: And if you try to count them, you can never do it. But you know, some have
0: wrongly like people do with all kinds of things in God's created order. Some have treated them as divine, seeking guidance from them. I was watching TV uh, not too long ago, and some weird commercial came on about calling a hotline about seeking uh, uh, how to read the stars for guidance and, and all of those sorts of things. People have done that down through the ages because they've been so captivated by them. And to do so, uh, to seek guidance from stars and to seek direction from them, is turning things on their head and turning what God has given to produce a wow about Him into an idol. You see, we must not lift a created thing above the Creator. We must remember what Church Father Augustine told us about the things in the created order. When he said, the things of creation are like a boat which takes us back to our homeland. A means of transport which we can and should celebrate, but never mistake for the destination itself. Things matter. Things point beyond themselves. Matter matters. We are to look around our lives and and be amazed and captivated if you have eyes to see through faith in Christ about what God has done and about what God has to teach us. This created order does not provide enough revelation to save us. We have to have the revelation of who Christ is and what He came and what He did. But when we have eyes to see and when we have come to faith in Christ, we are to look at it with a sense of awe. And a sense of wonder. We are to see the things around us and, and, and understand that as the Scripture teaches, there are all kinds of reminders around us in this world of the goodness, of the graciousness, of the power, of the might, of the wonder of God. We are to see these things. We are to be prompted by them. And some of these things are signs. And these signs were to, were to trace all the way back to the God of all things. Our understanding never terminates on the things. We follow the sunbeam back to the sun. We follow the thing back to the God of all things. You know, the, the Bible makes clear, we talked last time about Dust is supposed to provoke our thoughts about God and, and so are rainbows and bread and, and wine and honey and water and, and all of these things. But we do not hear from them. We do not hear from the things. We hear from Him, the one who gave us these things. Oh, it's, there's a sense in which we can say the, the rainbow preaches to us. But not the rainbow itself, the God who set the rainbow and told us what it means. There's a way in which we can say, as we said last week dust preaches to us, but only because God is the one who has made it and God is the one who's tied it to the very reality of the creation of humanity. You see, we are to see all of these things and we are to be hearing for Him, we are to be thinking about Him. We're to be wondering about what they teach us about Him. In Genesis 15, we have the second reference to stars in the Bible. The the Creator of the stars, the Creator of the cosmos, tells a man named Abram, who will later be known as Abraham, he tells a man named Abram to go, look to the heavens... And he says, count the stars, number them if you can. Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. When you doubt, see the stars. Genesis 15 begins with the questions, the the doubts, the, the, the angst of Abram. You see, God has already come to Abram, and He's already spoken to him, and He's already given him... Incredible promises. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, we have God's call of Abram. It it sounds like this Now the Lord, that is all caps, Yahweh, the great covenant God. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. He doesn't tell him where it is yet, he just says, Go. And he's, he's giving him a land. He's going to show him a land. Then verse 2, And I will make of you a great nation, a great people. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, if you're Abram, Imagine how overwhelming this message is. Take up and leave. Leave everywhere you've known. Leave the, the people you know. Leave your, your kin folks. Just go. You're going to go to a land. I'm giving you a land. And I'm going to give you a people. I'm going to make you the father of a multitude. And, and I am going to bless not only you, but I'm going to bless the families of the earth in you. Imagine how overwhelming that must have been. And he's trying to process it all. And he's trying to process it all as he looks at the actual circumstances of his life. From ground level. In Genesis 14, Abram had just rescued his nephew Lot from warring tribal leaders. And and now he's, he's fearing retaliation. And this one guy who's called out and called to go, and he's going, and now he's rescuing his nephew, and, and, and this doesn't seem to go. his head is spinning. So in Genesis 15, verse 1, God comes to him again. In fact, He comes to him in a unique way. There's language here. The word of the Lord came, which is usually reserved for the prophets. It's nowhere in the first five books of the Bible called the... Pentateuch except for here and in a couple more verses it'll be there again God is very clear I am coming to you I am speaking to you I am revealing myself to you Abraham here functions as a prophet who hears the voice of God and is to speak the truth of God verse 1 of Genesis 15 after these things the word of the Lord came to Abram. The name means uh, it means an exalted father. Abraham, in verse 17, means the father of a multitude. We see the promise being, being demonstrated even in his name. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, common in the Old Testament for God's revelatory speech to come in a vision. And notice what God says to him. God comes and comforts him. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. God Himself says, Abram, I am your shield. I am your protection. Your reward shall be great. Abram, listen to me. I am your protection and I am your provision. Notice the language here. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great based on what He's already promised Him. Protection and provision, what we... We all want in this life. But then notice how Abram responds in verses 2 and 3. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring. And a member of my household will be my heir. There's an objection here, a a question. Let me summarize it for you like this. Lord God,
1: based on what I see, how can I be sure You'll come through? How can I be sure? I am childless. I have no offspring.
0: And I don't have any prospects of it. Someone who has not been born to me or my wife is going to be my heir. How can this be? I hear what you were saying, but but how do I know it's true? Verses 4 and 5. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. There it is again. Direct revelation of promise from God. This man, Eleazar of Damascus, shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. He says, "Okay,
1: How do you know? How do you know I'll come through? Come outside. Look up.
0: In fact, he's saying, it's more unbelievable than you've even imagined. I'm not just going to give you an air. I am going to give you a multitude. So vast that just as it is ridiculous of the thought that you could number the stars, you will not be able to, 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 to number this multitude. And he keeps reiterating this promise. Genesis 22, 7. I will surely multiply your offspring. Genesis 26, 4. I will multiply your offsprings as the stars of the heavens. Deuteronomy 1, Now we're seeing this promise fulfilled. You are as numerous as the stars of heaven. Not just an
1: heir, but a multitude. And get this. Abram's struggling. So he gives him a promise that is built into the very rhythm of daily life. What a kindness. What a blessing. There's not a day
0: that should go by that he is not reminded that God himself has told him that the stars that he looks to, that that God created, are to speak more to him than the fact they are just stars. They are to speak beyond themselves to a promise that God has made to take this man Abraham and to birth a people out of him. Yes, he will give him an heir, but he will give him many heirs. He says, You don't see right now the land, you don't see the offspring, you don't see the blessing. Look to the stars. What a blessing. These stars that represent God's power and God's artistry and God's providence are to represent God's promise. Look toward the heavens and number the stars. And by the way, this is what we are to do. When you see stars, you are to think, oh, that's a neat celestial phenomenon.
1: Interesting. Interesting. You're to see the stars and think. God put
0: those there. So that we would know something of his goodness. And that he is a great promise keeper. Now, look at Genesis. 15, 6 and 8. Verse 6 we have here, and it, it is a beautiful statement of the gospel. And he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness, credited it to him, not anything in himself. He believed, he, the, the, the Hebrew word would be better translated, he trusted the Lord, he believed the promise, he gave himself over to the promise, and this faith, by God's design... This gift that God gives is counted. It is reckoned as righteousness. And we know that is because of what God is going to do in the sending of His Son. It's a beautiful statement of the Gospel. What is true of Abram is true of all who believe. Romans 4 uh, uh, appeals to this very verse and applies it to all believers. Galatians 3, 7-9 through 9 sounds like this. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. I wonder, have you believed the Lord? Only then can it be reckoned to you as righteousness. Some of you have been trying everything else. Some of you have been trying to have all kinds of religious deeds or, or do-goodism that you're offering to God. And, and, and no, all of it has to be rejected. You have to repent not only of your sin and your unrighteousness, you have to repent of thinking that your righteousness can be offered up to God and bartered for salvation. You repent of all your deeds. And you have to say that the, the, the only deed that I can trust in is what God has done for me in Christ Jesus. Now, now it seems here that this is inserted, so, so we're reminded of how this story is unfolding. It's not necessarily sequential that immediately he looked to the stars and then he believed and was reckoning him as righteousness, but this is what's going on. God is saving this man. He's going to have this part in his plan and his purposes, and it's the same way anybody will ever be saved. Notice verse 7 and 8. And he said to him, I am the Lord. That's all caps, Yahweh, covenant name for God. This is covenant language that God uses when He is covenant making. I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. This this covenant promise. Now, now, notice what he says in verse 8. But he said, O Lord God, How am I to know that I shall possess it? Now, this is his second objection here, and it's not the same as the first. The first is directed, is how do I know, God, You will come through? And this seems to be directed, "Oh God, how do I know that I will come through? You have made a covenant promise with me. How do I know that I will be faithful to my end of the covenant? How do I know that I will possess it two objections offered oh God how do I know you'll come through oh look to the stars of the heavens oh God how do I know I will come through he answers both those doubts in the next section and it is mind-boggling what happens here it is so easy for us to
1: to miss it to fail to see just how unbelievable what happens here would have seemed to Abram. That's the way grace is.
0: The second thing we see in this chapter in verses 9 down through verse 21 is, when you see the stars, remember the covenant. God gives Abram here specific instructions. These instructions seem strange to us. So here's the way. Okay, you're worried about whether or not you will hold up your end of the bargain. Whether or not I'll hold up my end of the bargain. Verse 9, this is the answer. He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, And a young pigeon. That seems really weird. (laughs) Because we are so far removed from this cultural context. But here's what is striking. Abram knows exactly why he is to get those animals. No instruction is given on what he is to do with those animals, but not only does the next thing the text tell us say that Abraham got the animals, he starts doing with them what he is supposed to do. He knew that this was a a, a calling for a covenantal commitment. He there there were different ways in which covenants were formed, these agreements were formed. uh, a contract is being made, and, and, and for us, we, we sign a contract, a, a sheet of paper. That, that's not what's going on here. Oftentimes, covenants at this time would be enacted. And by the way, you'd probably be a lot more likely to definitely keep your covenant if it was enacted like this than just signing a sheet of paper. But, but it is, it is enacted. It is symbolizing the message of, of what's going on if one is to, if one violates the terms of the covenant, the agreement. Listen to what he does with the animals. Verse 10. And he, he, he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down over the, on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. So there he is. He's got these animals. They're split in two in this sort of carnage, bloody walkway that would have been a repulsive scene, to be honest with you. The, the scavenger birds are coming down. And he's keeping them away because this covenantal ceremony needs to, to happen. There, there's an agreement being made here. And why would it be enacted in this way? Because one was saying, when they walked through these bloody animals on each side, if I do not live up to my end of the covenant, may this happen to me. A little bit, little bit more impactful than signing a sheet of paper, right? May it happen to me. I have a responsibility to keep my end of the covenant. May I be cut off as these, like these animals who are cut up. May I experience the fate that these animals
1: have experienced. Now, the, uh, the thing is though, only the subject who is being held responsible
0: to keep the covenantal demands, would walk through this scene of carnage. So, so whenever there were was a, a situation of non equals, well, first of all, let me in Jeremiah thirty four eighteen it says, and the man who transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant that they made before me will I will make them like a calf that they cut in two and pass between its parts. But okay, when it's non-equal, let's say a king comes in. A king conquers a people, and he takes those people as his subjects. And he says to those people, you can receive certain blessings of what it means to be under my rule as long as you do this, this, and this. Well, when that covenant was made, the king would not walk through. He is the one providing the benefits. You are the one saying, I'll do this and this and this so I can receive these benefits. So the subject would walk through and not the king. Only the subject would pass through the pieces. And Abram in his mind knows why he has gotten these animals. He is about to be told by this voice, this God, to to walk through these pieces so he can pledge himself to his covenant promise. In verses 12 through 16, he kind of pauses here. It says a deep sleep comes on Abram, and he tells him everything that's going to happen to him. He says, listen, There's going to be great great darkness. You're going to sojourn in a land that is not yours. You're going to be servants there. You'll be afflicted 400 years. I'll bring judgment on the nation, Egypt, that does that. And, And you shall come out with great possessions when you leave there. And Abram, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in an old age. In other words, God will keep his promise, but there will be difficulty. But then we get to verses 15 and 17. I mean, 17 and 18. And here's what we find. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. That's not Abram. A smoking firepot. it could be translated billowing smoke, a, a flaming torch, blazing lightning passed through these pieces. That's language that we will hear again on Mount Sinai. The presence of God manifested by flashes of lightning and the mountain smoking declaring the presence of God. Here what we have is that God Himself goes through the pieces. God says... I will keep the demands of the covenant. And if I do not, may this happen to me. He takes all of the demands on himself. He says, I will do it. He binds himself. He can bind himself only to himself. He couldn't bind himself to anyone else, but he does it. And imagine Abram as this this. This smoke and this, this fire pot goes through and it's not him. And then a voice comes to him and it says this in verse 18. On that day, the Lord, Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty, the one who spoke the worlds into existence, the one who created the stars, made a covenant with Abram saying, to your offspring, I will give this land. From the river of Egypt to the great, the, to the great river, the river Euphrates, I make a covenant with you. I will keep the demands of the covenant. And I will give you those offspring. So when you see those stars, you think about me, almighty God, making a covenant with you that I guarantee you in myself I will keep. And I pass through these pieces.
1: When you see the stars, Remember the covenant. Do you feel how amazing this is? These visual pictures of the grace
0: of God, Almighty God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, binding Himself. It's completely dependent upon Him. It's who He is. It's what He's promised. It's what He does. And Abram says, well, well, how do I know you'll come through? What do you mean? God Himself has made a covenant with the people. How do I know I'll come through? What do you mean? God said, I take on all the responsibilities of the covenant. And it will happen. Do, do, do you see the pains the Bible goes through to teach us how amazing grace is? Believed God and it is accounted to Him as righteousness. Well, well what, what, do, what do I need to do? Believe God and it is credited to Him, reckoned to Him as righteousness. God has taken on the demands of the covenant. Christ bore the wrath of the Father on behalf of guilty sinners. Christ cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God the Son, why? So that you and I never have to cry that out again, ever.
1: He has passed through the pieces. And it's done. The
0: stars are a great reminder of God's great covenantal promise. But finally, when you remember the covenant, praise the bright morning star. This is not the end of what the Bible is telling us about the stars and their role in our faith. Numbers twenty four seventeen. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. This is a promise of Messiah. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter, a a rule, one who rules and reigns out of Israel. Now, now to to get what's going on here in Numbers is, is Balak, the king of Moab, wants Israel. They just want a victory in battle, and he's a little bit worried about them. So he hires this prophet for hire, not a prophet of the true and living God, Balaam. He hires him to curse Israel. Give you a lot of money, just curse Israel so I don't have to worry about them. And he wants to do it, because he wants the money. But God keeps not letting him do it. Even to the point of his donkey talking and all of that. He just won't let him do it. And he keeps saying he can't do it. And and three times this happens. Now, what you've got to understand, if you understand the the, the way the Old Testament story is told, that that's sort of three times... Uh, it, It's sort of recapitulating the story of Pharaoh in Egypt and the people. Exodus chapter 1, Pharaoh is worried about this multitude of of people. And so three different times he's got a plan to deal with them. This, This promise is coming to pass and he doesn't like it. And so the first thing that he does is he just tries to oppress them so hard that they can't multiply, but they do. And then he tells the Hebrew midwives just dash their heads on the rocks of the... The, the male babies, and that, that doesn't work. And, and then he just says, take the male babies and throw them in the river, and that doesn't work. And so Pharaoh tries three things, and then in chapter uh, 2, Moses is born. And he's the deliverer. Here in Numbers, Balak tries three times to get Balaam to curse Israel. It doesn't work. And then all of a sudden, this promise is given. There will be the deliverer. A star will come out of Jacob of that promised line. And he is a scepter that shall rise out of Israel. And then we get to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, we have these these folks, magi, these these readers of the stars, philosophers, uh, these odd folks who travel 550 miles because they want to see a star that they believe fulfills prophecy. And and this star does fulfill prophecy. Uh, Not only the Numbers 24, but Psalm 72, 8 and 11, Isaiah 60, verse 6. And in Matthew 2, 2, they are saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star, his star, the star that shall come out of Jacob, when it rose and have come to worship him. And now Herod, Herod, who's ruling this area, is worried about this prophecy, this star. He's terrified of this ancient prophecy and so in verse 7 of chapter 2 of Matthew, it says that Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the, the star had appeared. And then he says, you know, when you find it, come back and, and tell me. And they say, well, uh, okay, they leave. They don't do that. But here's what it says in verse 9 and 10. After listening to the king, they went their way, and behold, the star That they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. That language at the birth of Christ that we see showing up again. They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Why? Because the ancient promise has come to pass. There is this star out of Jacob. And here it is. This one is born. This is the King of the Jews. This is the promised Messiah. A promise that is so powerful that Herod is terrified. And the people all over rejoice. And then we get to Revelation twenty two sixteen, the very end of our Bible. In verse 16, it says, I, Jesus. Now, that is significant because in Revelation 1, 9, It says, I, John. John is receiving this revelation and so he is giving it. And Jesus here at the very end of Revelation is saying the I, John was I, Jesus all along. This prophecy has my stamp on it. This is what I said would come to pass. And it says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root, that is the source, and the descendant of David. The one who will sit on the throne of David forever. He is the one who is the scepter promised. And then it says, the bright and morning star. The last I am statements in the Bible. I am the root and descendant of David. I am the one who has fulfilled all of these promises. And he says, I am the bright morning star. The morning star would be the brightest star in the sky. I am the bright morning star. I am the one who ushers in an eternal new day. I am the one who shines for all eternity. I am the one that you are rightly captivated about. Or you can be captivated with the stars, but trace them back because they exist. Because one day in the coming of Christ, there is this bright morning star that will shine forever. Do you see the way the whole story is put together? God creates the stars. God calls Abraham out. He gives him this promise. It's hard to believe. He says, look to the stars. You will have a multitude this great. And this promise unfolds. And then then there's there's this this angry uh, uh, Herod ruler that wants to do away with it. And yet God puts the very star in the sky. And we see the promise come to pass. And then in the kingdom, the new heavens the new earth, there will be the bright and morning star forever and ever, and all things will be fully and finally made new. By the way, Peter talked about this in 2 Peter 1.19. We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, he says, or made more sure. It's bad grammar, but it's for emphasis. Prophetic word, the Scripture. Made more sure, more fully confirmed, to which you would do well to pay attention, as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Uh, We have the word that is our light and we look to the one who is the light of the world and the one who can rightly be described for all eternity as the bright morning star. Here's what I want. I want every person here either to be completely enraptured with delight at this truth of a God who would commit Himself to us in this way and a God that would be so kind that He writes in the rhythm of of daily life, the the reminder of His promise. I want you to be so overwhelmed with thanksgiving for that great truth that,
1: that, that you can't help but to not think about it or
0: I want you to be disturbed by it. Here's what I don't want. Don't you dare walk out of here thinking it doesn't matter.
1: Herod was exactly right. That all will answer to the promise represented by that star. And all are either on one side or the other of it. And all will either
0: Know the blessing of what it means to see the shine of the bright morning star for all eternity. Or there will be others who will know nothing but darkness and never see it for all eternity. That's what's at stake. I want you to either be delighted more than you have ever been in your life, or I want you to be really disturbed. But you need to figure out where you stand in relation to this God who makes these kind of promises. And who has woven this story together over all this time through all these people. You can't make this up. This, friend, is the true story of the world. And it is the story in which all of us will give an account, not only now, but forever. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You for the truth of Your Word. Lord, I, I thank You for Your revelation of Yourself. And I thank You for the way in light of it You unfold the way You have revealed Yourself in
1: this created order. I thank You, Lord. Lord, for seeing in these powerful pictures
0: your grace, your willingness to say, I am king, but I will take on myself all of the demands of the covenant. Oh, what grace. Why walk away from grace like that? And Lord, I pray that you help us. Help us to have eyes that see the truth of your word and help us to look out and to see your world and trace everything back to you. And Lord, I long with everything that is within me that everyone in this room will one day be gathered and the all things new day will have arrived and we will be able to gaze on the bright morning star forever and ever. But Lord, I pray that it would be abundantly clear that that only comes through Christ. And it comes through believing in Christ and having it reckoned to us as righteousness. And I pray for any who don't know where they stand before you, this would be a day where they would become children of Abraham, in Christ, able to call God Father,
1: indwelt by the very Holy Spirit of God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.